0: Welcome to GB Talks with me, George Bamford. I'm going to delve into the world of watches. We're going to be talking to journalists. We're going to be talking to some of the key people in the watch world. Come with me on this journey with our guests on how they got into the wonderful and weird watch world. Welcome back to GB Talks. We have got uh, such a treat and we've got him back again. We have got Rob from Watch Pro. And I am so happy to have him in the Hive. We're going to be talking about something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about him. So he's in the hot seat. Hey, it's great. Have you here? Thanks. George, always, always a pleasure. You've got a hell of a lot on your plate. And to give up a fraction of time to let our listeners understand the world of Rob, you are a bit like Jeremy Clarkson in a lot of ways. Is you kind of (laughs) and why I'm describing you not in the way of the drink and the this and the that. But he's not a lover of cars in that sense. He's more of the journalist.
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm first and foremost a business reporter. That's what I've always always been since I was in my Early twenties, and I've written about industries ranging from the IT sector in the in the early nineteen nineties, when Bill Gates and Larry Ellison, this and these types of people were just just emerging. Um, I've written about the hospitality sector, aviation sector, um, restaurants, and and a lot of that was actually in the Middle East, where I lived for ten years from from the mid nineties until the uh, until the uh, mid mid nineties, and. As well as being a business editor, we were building building our own business at that time, um, from two people when I moved there in 1993 to about 500 people when I left in wow. in 2003. And we, our head office, ITP, is the biggest magazine publisher, or more of a digital publisher these days, of course, because mm-hmm. mag- magazines are a, a so old hat. It was a great place to be, a great time to be in Dubai. And building a company from a small group of people who started off in Hertfordshire in the UK, went across to Dubai just as things were beginning to blow up and just kept launching title after title after title. I was on the board of directors there and the editorial director running about, I don't know, 150 journalists, something like that, and reporting on all of these businesses as, as they as they emerged in in Dubai. So nothing whatsoever to do with watches. I mean, it became obviously Dubai became a massive luxury retail destination. So you know that was part of the business that we that we were talking about. But but really, my writing and what I write about in WatchPro today is almost identical issues to what I've been writing about my entire career, whether it was in IT or hospitality or any of these business sectors. Similar questions, similar issues that people face and just trying to get to the truth of what people are not telling you. I'm kind of reversing a little bit because you just brushed over something that you just said
0: and I thought, bloody hell, that's amazing. So you went from two or three people to start off with to then 500 people. That, firstly, growing pain. Secondly, controlling that amount of people, building the business up. How did you deal with those meteoric
1: challenges? The hardest part in terms of Generating sales, making sure you don't go bust, those sorts of things. I, I wouldn't take credit for that. You know, that that was the owner of the company and the uh, people that were, you know, of the seven or eight people that were in the company when I joined. Yeah. They were the people who who were. Mostly on that commercial side, I was just emerging from dropping out of polytechnic and um, t- <laughs> doing do my f- doing my first job in in writing and pretend, pretending that I had some sort of talent talent for it. Well, you um, do have a talent, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was co- It was coincidental in in the company I joined. So the company ITP was was set up in Hitchin in Hertfordshire where I happened to live and go to school. And oh. uh, and so so I. I got a job with them. And it was just after the first Gulf War, the one where Saddam yeah. invited to Kuwait. The coalition came in and kicked them out. The only magazine that the company had at the time was called Arabian Computer News. It was the trade title for the Middle East IT industry. And of course, during war in the Gulf countries, it just completely died. The company should have gone bankrupt, but didn't. managed to publish a 12 page magazine throughout the Gulf war and I joined soon afterwards and we we sort of picked up from there almost from from zero what happened was the IT industry then moved over from handling the middle east from remote offices in london or paris they started setting up offices in Bahrain and Dubai and we decided that we would move over there i put my hand up and said i'll be first i'll be first in so me and one other person set up an office in the back streets of dubai which was well, we used to call it Garden City by the Sea. Sorry for t- too many too many Cheer references, but not a great big town. Yeah. Um but it happened to like growing well manicured lawns. So
0: And you at that time you saw Dubai jumping as a country as well. So you were you as you'd said, the expansion of the
1: magazine, but also the expansion of the city. It was it was perfect timing really. All all of the multinationals were going in. So the country was um, almost, you know, the United Arab Emirates were almost entirely an oil-based economy. Yeah. Dubai had less oil than Abu Dhabi, and so they started um, diversifying. The first thing they wanted to diversify into was travel and tourism, and we did the same thing. So the first sector we went into after the IT market was, uh, was the was the hospitality. So we launched Hotelia Middle East around about the same time construction was booming everywhere so we launched construction Middle East and went on from there we have launched an aviation title we launched a restaurant title all all B2b magazines by virtue of just being in the right place at the right time I just grew, grew as the company grew from you know two people in Dubai to many hundreds.
0: you slightly describe it as I was lucky to get that post but you make your own luck in this world or I, I see with you you do. You know, that's that's one of those things you don't expect to be given. Every time I've met you, every time I've hung out with you, it, it is always you're making your own luck.
1: Early nineties in Dubai, everything seemed possible, you know, and and anything you tried had as good a chance of succeeding as 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 anything else because it was just such a high growth environment to be in, and and ITP as a company was just you know keeping pace or trying to try and stay ahead slightly of the of the pace. Um, it was it was even that even back then there was competition in the me, in the media space but we you know i guess we did a did a better job than than our competitors and and we managed to grow and i think it's you know my experience of essentially being part of an entrepreneurial company being on the board of directors of an entrepreneurial company so not just learning how to do editorial but learning how to do a balance sheet learning how to do a business plan learning how to keep launching things Learning how to launch those things on a shoestring and then grow them into something yeah. um, larger and more profitable. Almost everybody in Dubai was doing that kind of stuff, all all at the same time. Whether you were in PR or in hospitality or, or whatever, so it was really really exciting times. And um, I'm not a believer in luck. I think I think luck is something that you know you've had yeah. as you look back, but you should never plan for it in the in the future or or believe you can rely on it in some way. But yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly been down to hard work paying attention keeping my ears open
0: and that's that's something I, I i think a lot of people don't know that about what you've created now you know i know that you can read the history of you you realize the the path that you've gone on from computers hmm. that as you said bill gates and larry ellison total side note did
1: you ever meet that? Uh, yes, I did. I did. You did interview. Yeah. I did. Really. Interviewed both of them. I oh, how cool! Um, Steve Ballmer, who took over from yes. uh, Bill Gates, I interviewed him. In a- in a car in between the ruler's palace and some other meeting he was go- going to oh my in, god in wasn't he
0: the guy that kept him putting his arm up in the air and kind of like there was some know. kind of video of him like shouting it was really?
1: like- <laughs> i don't know he was quite a big guy and yeah like yeah, bombastic so yeah could 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 well have been him so yeah all wow. those sort of all those characters in the it industry that were i mean this was before the dot-com boom this was at the beginning this was when personal computers were being created and bill gates predicted that one day, everybody everybody would have a PC on their desk, and we and we all thought he was insane. It just didn't seem didn't seem possible. Um, so wow. yeah, maybe that was another part of it. You know, I grew, I grew up reporting on Dubai, one of the highest growth yeah. cities in the world. The IT industry, the highest growth industry in the world. So everything just seemed possible around me.
0: It seems like you've, you've got the sense of what's going to boom or what's going to happen in different industries. And you know, when you go from the Middle East to the UK, but you you you're now growing again.
1: I don't think there's any magic about spotting what's going to grow. In fact, I've had plenty of titles that have failed. I mean, even even in the last 10 years since we launched The Office in London, I think I've closed at least three titles oh, really? um, that just weren't working. I mean, one, one, one of them was we launched a title for the commercial drone sector. I thought, you know, commercial you know, Actually, drone, drones, quite, about, yeah. drones about six or seven years ago were yeah. just starting to um, take off, if you'd excuse the pun. Um <laughs> I could kind of see that police forces and um the media and firefighters and all these people were going to be using industrial drones to yeah. as part of their normal work, so I thought that's that looks like a big high growth industry we'll get we'll get in there, but I think we just got in too early and it was uh, we just got out again, and that's part of it you know I don't I, we we we're not afraid to do things and then stop doing things if they're not working if someone's listening to this
0: in that sense, how would you no, to say hey this doesn't work but sometimes you have to have conviction to maybe cross this thing with vanity versus sanity
1: sanity is the key is the absolute key um and try not to let your ego get in the way of a, a sensible decision so in you know in the case in the case of commercial drones, what became apparent was that there are actually going to be very few successful players in the, in that space. So I thought it was going to be like the IT industry where there were going to be a hundred different PC manufacturers, and yeah. you know maybe they'd consolidate further down the line. It turned out there's about three great big drone manufacturers, which just isn't a competitive enough market to justify a lively advertising uh, space. So in a business like ours, which is yeah almost entirely advertising and sponsorship driven you've just got to suck it up and say that's not going to work
0: that's why the watch world is very good because it's fragmented you've got multiple brands you've got newcomers always coming in yeah as you said i think it was the jewelry world as well that you were talking about as mm-hmm. well these industries are those fragmented a lot of people wanting to be a part of it
1: i mean there's, there's a big difference between business to business media and business to consumer media. Watchpro is one of the is is quite a almost unique title within um, the business I've been in, totally that, that's pretty much crossed over so we launched we launched watch Pro as a spin-off from a jewelry title a business to business jewelry title and uh, it just got bigger and bigger uh, in the b2 b sector we were we were aiming to be a sort of conduit between brands who wanted to get into Retail stores, and as that side of things has evolved, you're seeing retailers take fewer and fewer brands, and more and more the brands are selling direct to consumer. So it's not really that we pivoted to go from one type of publication, a B two B publication, to B two C. It's just that consumers suddenly seem to get very, very interested in in the business of watches, in a way that nobody else was really giving it any coverage.
0: You kind of lifted the lid, didn't you, really? that That's where I look at it, or the veil. It's almost like you've lifted the, the uh, cloth over the table, but you haven't lifted it fully. There's still a mystique.
1: There's a very weird thing about the watch industry. I mean, as I've said, I've covered, as a business reporter, lots and lots of different industries. I have never seen an industry that is so sensitive to being questioned to any sort of critical analysis to any tough interviews to any sort of probing of what is behind the curtain this is not normal this is you know you read the trade press for the motoring industry yeah. for the technology industry for the gadget industry oh. for any industry every industry will have critical reporting yeah, the military. watch industry has yeah. almost none
0: yeah, you're totally right. I saw someone doing a review of a car recently. It took the whole thing to bits almost. It was like, This is wrong, this you know, literally pulled panels off the car saying it wasn't fitted right. Yeah. And in the watch world it would be
1: Well, you would norm- you would normally get not just you know, one publication in a yeah. in a particular industry that's critically analysing and trying to get to the facts, you would have lots of them and you would have lots of journalists competing with each other to try and get the inside scoop and dig for the dirt and, and find out what's what's really going on you don't get that in the watch industry at all i'm you know i'm i'm so, I, I describe myself as the as the outsider inside the watch industry and that's kind of how i don't know i mean maybe, maybe i positioned myself there but i think it's probably more that that's where they rather i rather i sat but you also
0: you have a tightrope because the watch industry loves you and I, what I mean is, you were loved. I'll and take that, your
1: word for it. <laughs> come on,
0: I see you at all the all the events. I see you being part of the events now whatever the case is i'm sure that they don't need to invite you if if they you know you, you could also send other people but you've got some of the best writers writing for you mm-hmm. you've got uh, i mean really some of the best people writing for you you've got so, some of the best things happening around round you and you know watch some uh, wonders also we were talking about um, jean-claude beaver's launch you were there you're there at these seminal moments to make the industry be awake to it.
1: The num- the numbers do do matter. And our our audience these days is is half a million people a month come to come Bloody to watch, hell. come to watchpo.com. Um that makes us far and away the biggest watch title in in the UK. Yeah. Um and our, our mission is to become the biggest watch title in the world. It's why we've it's why we, some time ago we've already launched you know we started in the UK, then we launched an edition in the USA. We launched a German language edition in Germany. Um, We just recently were sort of soft launching an Arabic version at the moment, and we're just about to hire a French editor based in Geneva. So we will have somebody in. Wow, somebody based there as well.
0: And is this because of your past knowledge of saying we need to have people in situ? Does that work better than as you had before? in your old job where you had here and you controlled from here and then changed the language is it is it a better format or it's a harder i think,
1: I think so if you're gonna if you're gonna write about the business business of watches it's it's really less to do with the product and more to do with the people so you kind of got to be on the ground building that building those relationships so you can do it you can do some of that remotely yeah. i mean i i basically edit the American edition by going to America six or seven times a year and, oh and meeting yeah. meeting up with the retailers over there and and the brand executives and and collectors and traders and, and and you name it. And just the more the more people you meet and spend time with the more the more you're going to understand what's really going on in the industry. And a lot of those conversations are off the record they're yeah. just filling in bits parts of your knowledge. I mean I always describe it as trying uh, with the Swiss watch industry you're trying to basically create the jigsaw Finish the jigsaw so that people can see the whole picture. While while everybody in the brands is desperately trying to take the pieces off the table for you, so 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 you're basically
0: on quicksand most of the time. In some ways, in, you know what I mean. Is you're running through quicksand.
1: In some ways, I, I mean, yeah, really, all I want to do is, is write something that interests people. Yeah. You know where well, you are the media. The media business is very very simple. You build an audience yeah. if you're if you're advertising led. You build an audience that somebody wants to rent off you. They want to rent those eyeballs. So if you want to, you know, if Bamford Watch Department wanted to reach 500,000 people a month, I have a proposal for you. You, you, I've had many proposals for you, George. I know.
0: That business model is amazing. But to be number one in the world is to have multiple places. The American edition, I'm sure when you... Jumped from just the UK edition that was going around the world to now doing American edition must have been quite a big, what I'd probably say is maybe a scary jump, but now you look back on it,
1: it's probably a step. It scares me every day, really. I mean, it's, it, huh. you know, you, okay. you wake up. I've heard mean, another thing from the IT industry that the famous CEO of Intel, Andy Grove, I think his, na- his name was, used to say only the paranoid survive. So I, I wake up every morning paranoid that we're not doing enough, we're not doing it the right way. we somebody could come in and do something amazing that would derail us. We'll make a huge mistake that would be fatal. And the, and the bigger you get, particularly internationally, where you're f- further away from, the, uh, uh, from people, the more scary it can it can be. But um,
0: that's also something being further away because. I you know as you say you wake up I I'm a micromanager so I'm I'm very much like into every little detail understanding what's happening I'm the opposite Okay so so I'm, I I I but these kind of things that you're bringing new people on board a team that then you have to impart with that watch pro world and they're kind of your I don't know they're your calling card in some ways
1: yeah i mean it's more it's more than that the the london office we actually have six or seven titles and each title has a an editor and a and a commercial commercial manager and they all Act as their own little businesses. There are, you know, we, we hire people who are deliberately entrepreneurial and don't need to be looked after and don't need to be told what to do day in day out because I, I don't have the time for it. I mean, I always liken it to my parenting t- parenting technique, which which I dis- describe as equal neglect. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got I've got three grown up children. One in the uh, one's just in their thirties. One th- just about to turn thirty, and one who now lives in Dubai. She's twenty. I turned 24. Oh wow. And you know, light touch parenting was was the way forward for, for me. You know, they would get, get on with things. I don't really understand the modern parenting technique of yeah. of hovering over everybody and instructing them on every sort of minute detail of their lives. It's not me. And it's not me as a manager of the of of the team either. And that's what we do with WatchPro. I mean you said that we have the best some of the best writers working for us now, you know, Robin Swithenbank, Tracy Llewellyn's on the full-time staff now, Simon de Berta. I mean, many of these writers, you don't have to tell them what to do. In fact, they need to come to, to us and say what they want to write about. And, and most of the time, my, my only comment would be just be a bit more, yeah. just just go a bit further with that idea. Take it, take it to...
0: But you've got household names as your journalists. You know, you have just said these guys. I mean, you know, you think these are the household names, and you know, you think of Tracy. I mean, Tracy, I mean, wow, she is, you know, one of the goddesses of the of the journalistic world in the watch world.
1: Completely, yeah. She's the she's the watch editor for the for the Daily Telegraph. You know, Bob, Robin is the watch editor for the New York, or yeah. for the for the New York Times. I mean, like That's Simon's Financial yeah. Times. So yeah, but
0: you you you've got the ogs and you know the and and the the new kind of writers inside as well i mean yeah, i
1: mean i just i really want i really want people to find something interesting to to read every time they go to watch pro i don't i don't ever want it to just be a collection of slightly subbed press releases that yeah. frank, frankly chat gpt could probably churn out these these days um yeah. and if any if anything i just i want to I'm, I'm very often advised. We talked about how sensitive the, the watch industry can be. I'm very often advised by people, just t- tone it down a little bit. <laughs> tone it down a little bit. You'll get a lot more. You'll find it a lot easier to get advertising support if you don't ruffle feathers in this way, this 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 way or the other. And I just do not take that advice. Do not accept that advice. I simply think it's wrong. In fact, I'm doubling down. I'm I'm encouraging all of the writers to be more opinionated to have stronger views on things to say whatever they see just just say it because i think that's really what Watchpo stands for um and if we build an audience big enough i think we'll be impossible to ignore
0: I think you're already impossible to ignore, but yeah, you can't, like, I have a hit of delights when I get these messages in, and it's kind of like, hey, you know, this has happened in the industry. So you can't be ignored anyway, and you can't as well. For the last few minutes, what what advice, if, if someone was going into the industry, or if you, let's say you're out of the um, polytechnic, was it polytechnic? If Lester, you're coming Lester out... Poly
1: yeah well one one year of an economics degree okay
0: perfect you were just coming out of that today what advice would you get what would be that thing that said if you were wanting to go in the path that you've gone
1: well i don't i don't think anybody is going to follow this the same the same path i mean i i think that my advice would be to try as many things as possible as young as possible i think um somebody once said to me might might have been my Father, that work as hard as you can in your twenties because you can slow down in your forties. Um, it never really happened to no. me. In fact, my <laughs> I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life as I as, as I am now, yeah. and I'm <laughs> and I'm fifty three. I'm like my forties.
0: Um, Jesus Christ! I've been putting a foot down. Yeah, like,
1: no, no, exactly. So maybe, maybe maybe it's the advice that was uh, of a, of a different different era. Um, but yeah, my my son is twenty four. Uh, I mean, a little bit of nepotism. He's got a, got a, a, a bit of a helping hand working at our head office in, in Dubai, but you know, he was there for a three month internship and that was the limit of what he was expected, but he, he grabbed it and he's stepped up and he's stepped up and now he's a, you know. Uh, quite a senior editor in, in the in the company there at, in a, at a very early age. and That and must make
0: you feel really proud. Very,
1: very proud, very proud. That's but, um, really
0: cool. But to... in terms
1: of when he's picking my brains to say what next, I'm just saying whether it's within the same company or with other companies, try and do as many different things as, as possible. And that's really, I think, the trick trick for me because p- even though I've been with the same company now for Ninety-one to where are we now? Twenty thirty-two years I've been with the same company, <laughs> but <laughs> no two years have ever been even re- remotely similar to to each other. I've always been launching new things, always hiring new people, always trying to build a build a, a bigger company. Yeah. Um, keep trying new things and have the courage to ju- to just go for it and and work extremely hard because that will cover yeah. over a lot of mistakes.
0: That's something that I I'm, I'm talking to someone recently, and they said, look. <laughs> be known for good or bad, but be, be known, don't disappear. Because if you disappear, people will forget about you. Mm. And I, I always think that if you are working your socks off, at least, you know, people go, Oh my God, I can give him more stuff or I can do this or I can, would, would that kind of tell or not?
1: Yeah, no, no, I think so. I think in, yeah, no, nobody's yeah. going to come up with 20 brilliant ideas in, yeah. a year. They might come up with 20 ideas, 19 of which are fairly rubbish, one of which is is pretty good. But the the harder you work at it, the more likely it is that that one idea is going to be successful. And ideas are the easy bit. They really are. It's about execution at the end of the day. Deliverables. Um, And, um, yeah, I just... I feel I, I sometimes think I'm the sort of Frank Lampard of the business report, reporting world because he always said that he wasn't anywhere near the most talented, but he was the hard, most most hardworking player at Chelsea.
0: I always I always love chatting to you, so thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute treat to get you back on, um, and also kind of inspirational. <laughs> and uh, I, I know that you kind of look at me and go really um but it really is so thank you
1: well, i'm a big admirer of what you're doing here as well you know building a business from nothing is you know takes a lot of hard work
0: well it's, it's all about love um thank you so much um darren michael our producer as always you rock and thank you for listening to us have a great great day